Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. If you guys haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you are in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, Mm. you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products as well as Quantum Muscle Rub, Rehab X, and many more. Check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door or you can check out their smoker boutique it is something you have to see for yourself if you can't make it out to their shop remember to browse their products online at goldboys303.com that's goldboys303.com where everything is nobody out three and two on charlotte Jokic gets it across the timeline gets a high pick and pop with murray lindsey breaking through taken away by nathan mckinnon two on two with landis guy Opposite of a gold boy. Oh my god! A horse girl. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Okay, I mean, we pretty have lost for where that twenty-five gone. viewers. Thanks, Ryan. Just <laughs> Thank you for everyone who's sticking around to this. This is the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. I'm really rocking all of my Breck gear today. Um, there's I, the best beer. I still did not get a, a a swag bag. So sorry. No, that's a Lindsay. Rudo. I'll yell at her. Um, happy birthday, Rudo. Happy birthday, Rudo. It is Rudo's birthday, so that is why live viewers can see that Ryan is wearing a Rudo shirt. We stand a king. Not that you need a reason to wear a Rudo I, shirt. Yeah, it doesn't true. require a special uh, Rudo is uncomfortable by the Rudo shirts that we have. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> As he if y'all want to wear them, I'm not going to stop you. But <laughs> it's, it's weird. Why I, is it weird? I don't know. I just <laughs> I walk into a room and see people with my name on their shirt, and it's like, 
That it, means you're we, working for a company that really loves you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. it Little did you know, I, uh, fell asleep in your shirt and woke <laughs> yeah. up in it the next morning. <laughs> See, the weird thing I saw, just nice. Rudo. <laughs> it's just not your face. That'd be much weirder. That like the name. I mean, we can arrange that. <laughs> Those <laughs> are the next shirts. Some people really like horses. I really like Rudo. I, are you going to go with this bit <laughs> the entire we're going, time? We're coming back this all day. This is the theme no. of the episode now. I will kick you out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Rudo and your birthday, we do have to start off with the Avs who played last night. They fell to the St. Louis Blues 5-2 and... Season's over. Yeah, according to a lot of Canceled. Twitter fans, the season's done. Rudo, Ryan wrote in our group chat this morning, why, why was this such a big deal for so many Avs fans? I'm going to say this once. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> They lost a single game in the middle of December, and they're still 21-9-3, so they're doing just fine. But the reason everyone was so hyped on this game is because the St. Louis Blues are the defending Stanley Cup champions. They're at the top of the Western Conference, and as a team, this has been their first real test of can they contend for a Stanley Cup? Can they compete with some of these top teams in the league and the answer this time around was unfortunately no. But it's one game, and on the whole, they've beaten teams like Boston already this year. So there's plenty of opportunity for them to continue having a successful season and contend when the time comes. They also had two of their four best defensemen out. EJ and Kale McCarr are not playing right now. That has an effect. It has a, a serious effect in two ways. One of the biggest problems they had was moving the puck out of the defensive zone, which is kind of Kale McCarr's thing. Kind of. And <laughs> the second thing here is this game was a very playoff atmosphere as far as the way the refs called it. People were getting away with a lot of things. Eric Johnson is the most experienced defenseman on the team. He's the player that understands, all right, maybe I can get away with a grab here, a hold there. And he was not there in that game to be doing that, to be limiting the St. Louis offense a little bit more. So St. Louis wasn't healthy either. They were missing one of their top goal scorers. But the Avs, I think, definitely were on the wrong side of that trade. You know what's cool about playoff hockey? Uh, one penalty in the end of the second period can't make you lose a whole series. It That's can't make you true. lose a whole game in the middle of December. Uh, but last night, was uh, it felt kind of fluky to me. Like, yes, they got outplayed in the first and outplayed in the third. But they were outplaying them by a lot yeah, They were for dominant. 18 minutes of the second period. They take a dumb penalty. They are, what, what, 16 minutes? They take a dumb penalty, they give up two goals, and the game's just flipped on its head and whatever. Like, if that happens in a playoff series, you're upset, but there's another game the next two nights later that, you you know, you come back and, and regroup. And this is, for the Avalanche fan base, I think this is a very deep-set fear with this team because they have spent years being that team where one thing goes wrong and the entire game just falls apart on them. And that's kind of what happened. They came out in the third period after giving up those goals, and they just didn't have it. It, it was just not there. But you got to focus on the positive sometimes. And they were leading the St. Louis Blues 2-1 to one for a good chunk of that game. They did not play a great first period, but they hung with the Blues. They only fell down by one, and they capitalized on their opportunities in the second period. Yeah, bad penalty, bad PK, inexcusable, but... Not the end of the world because they're going to go out tomorrow night. They get to play another game. 
they get to respond to this. Last time they played the Blues, which was earlier in the season, about a month earlier, they lost to the Blues. They went on to lose five of their next six. If they can come off of this game and go 500, even four and two in their next six, that's improvement. It's not hard for them to continue trending in the right direction. It's just not going to be the immediate climb to the top that a lot of people felt like was coming. Well, and I would get it if this was at the back end of a bad stretch. You know, maybe they'd lost three or, you know, three of their last four and then they lose this one and it's like, man, what's going on? They were eight. Oh, and one yeah, right in their exactly. last nine games going into this. Like they can't, they can't have one little letdown without everyone freaking out. It's, it's an unfortunate circumstance of the game itself as well, because everyone was getting hyped around it. Ryan O'Reilly an ex av has played mm-hmm. for this team, won the cup. There are a lot of fans that weren't exactly happy with how O'Reilly left the team. So there's a lot of factors that go into wanting to beat this team, and the Avs have struggled against the Blues and their play style of very slow-paced, very grind-out-the-game. It's just not something the Avs match up well with. So a lot of people wanted to see them take that next step and say, hey, we don't care how you play. We're going to play our game and and get the job done. And I go back and forth because in the second period, that's exactly what they did. They said, we're going to play fast. We're going to beat you with our skill. They did that. And then they stopped doing it in the third. And that's unfortunate, but it's still a learning process for this team. And one game does not shake my faith in the fact that I still think they're contending. Uh, Philip Grubauer made his first start in net after a few games out with a lower body injury. Uh, someone in our Periscope comments said, need to stay with Frankie in goal right now. How do you feel about the goal tending situation? Um. I knew this was going to come after a couple of great games from Fransos. There is no goaltending controversy yet in my mind. It's great that Fransos has played very well. He's getting games like the New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. That's not a particularly challenging game. He's what are you getting... trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. Um, he's getting games like Tampa Bay, good team. The Avs dropped seven goals on him. So it's like a pitcher in baseball getting quality run support. You know, his numbers are going to look real good when the game is over by the third inning. It's just the way it goes sometimes. Grubauer didn't play great against uh, the Blues. I don't think he played terribly, though. His defense hung him out to dry on most of those goals, and he is still the starter. He was brought in to be the starter. You can't just waver on that at the first sign of any issue at all. If he starts to fall off, if he has a four or five game stretch where he's really struggling, great. You have a Francois you can go to to be confident in, and then you can start to have that conversation if he keeps it up. And we've seen that happen last year with Semyon Varlamov and Philip Grubauer. There were those stretches where they had to put in Grub because yeah. Semyon wasn't doing Yeah, well. I mean, there was a two-month stretch last year where neither of them could save Ugh. anything, but... It's the Hamburglar. <laughs> and and no. that's what this Avs team is, I know, late, is trying later, to avoid early, for the no, most earlier. part. Earlier? That was the year before. Yeah. Hamburglar was already two years ago? Yeah. yeah. That was 17-18. Oh wow, time flies. Yeah, and now it'll it'll be 2020 in two weeks. But yeah. it's the mm. team is trying to avoid the long stretches of losses, right? They had that one five-game losing streak this season so far. You only have one of those. Guess what? You're in the playoffs, and you probably have home ice advantage going into the playoffs. So win a couple games to follow up on this Blues, and it's situation normal. You're all set. I was surprised by the reaction because my understanding was this team definitely clears that threshold of good enough that 
you're kind of just waiting to see if they're healthy in the postseason. And then you figure it out from there. But there's no point almost like evaluating them on a game-to-game basis. Like, are they good enough? I was a little surprised. Honestly, yeah. I I agree with you for the most part. But everyone wanted to see a big game, right? right? They wanted to see St. Louis is in the same division. This is the team that if they're competing for the top of the division, they need to find a way to beat. And if they're a better team than they were last year, then maybe the that's the exact game where they come out and kick. Right. But... One of the main reasons they're a better team than they were last year is because they have a superstar rookie. He wasn't playing. Who wasn't exactly. Playing. That's a good and point, Ryan. I, they play the Blues again January second. Mm. Hopefully, Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson are healthy for that game. And is that at home? It is at home as well. Both the games against the Blues have been in St. Louis, a building the Avs have been awful in for years, except for that one time where it really counted in 2018. Um, so. Really curious to see how they respond to the game and then how they play the Blues the next opportunity they get. And, yeah, as Brendan was saying, look at what this team has done in 10-game stretches so far this season. They started the season 8-1-1, one, and one, then they had their five-game losing streak, and since then they've been significantly over 500 again, especially since they've gotten healthy. So losing your mind over one game is just crazy talk. Let it go. But if they lose on January 2nd, we can burn the whole thing down. Yeah, okay, (laughs) sure. Just burn the Pepsi Center down on your way out if they get rocked again. Sorry, Nuggets. (laughs) You can't play anymore. No one cares anymore. (laughs) I think I heard on the broadcast last night, that was, and he did get banged up, so maybe you can not even count it. I think that was only the third game they've lost all season that Miko Rantanen played start to finish. They're like 14-2. and Yeah, that sounds sounds right because, yeah, they were 8-1-1. And then they played the Blues, and he got hurt in that game, which they lost. And then he was gone for 16 games, and then he came back, and they won a bunch of games. And he had a beautiful goal in last night's game. Might have been two overtime losses with him, not even. Yeah, one of them was the Flames in overtime for sure. So So it might have been 14-0-2. He is truly a special talent because... He just has that shot in his bag. He rarely uses it because he doesn't have to, because he can make magical passes to McKinnon through the seam. But <laughs> if you don't pay attention to him, he's like, oh, right, I score goals also, by the way. <laughs> so I'm pretty good. I don't know. All right, so the Avs take on the Blackhawks tomorrow, like you said, a game where they can bounce back. Then watch they take party. on the – oh, that's right. We have a watch party yep. at Sports Column. We'll be celebrating Rudo's birthday and watching the Avs. It's going to be a fun time, so be sure to stop by. First Christmas ale is on us. Ooh. If you RSVP, you got to RSVP. Oh, go RSVP. We have Eventbrite on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website. All go look for it, and you'll find it. Uh, then they play the uh, Hurricanes, and then the Blackhawks again. How are you expecting them to do in this three-game stretch? You got to take two out of the three. Um, the way they played the Blackhawks so far this season, that team just has no defense and. The Avs are fully capable of dropping seven on them whenever they feel like it. So go out, make it easy on your defense for a game, and just win a game with your goal-scoring ability. The Canes game, I think, will be interesting. Obviously, the second half of a back-to-back. They get it at home, but they're a decent team. You want a game to look at. You're upset about the Blues game. Look at that game. You win those games if you're a great team in the NHL. You find a way to just pull out the W, even if it is a back-to-back, against a good team. Drew, you're kind of obligated to go to uh, the game on Saturday against the Blackhawks since last time you were at the Pepsi Center, you went to the game. 
Mavs Blackhawks and they scored yeah, I seven guess so. goals. Yeah, so yeah. So we should get I, some I, tickets for it. Yeah, I guess so. I was going to say, if anyone out there has <laughs> got, got a Christmas present they want to send my way. Wait, is that is that also Star Wars night? Mm. Oh, brutal. Yeah, See, if they could have lined those up for me, they, eh, maybe would have made that happen. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe would have made that happen. I don't want to run the magic out, though. If I go again and... So you're uh, nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about it. Or, or do I save it for the playoffs? Like You're not going to go to a game until the playoffs? I'm probably going to go to a game before. Okay. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I got I to pick them strategically. I need help with this. Hurricanes do spin, and you're still waiting to see a spinny go live, oh. I think. So. Okay, okay. I like the logic there. Hurricanes do spin. <laughs> it's the title of this series. Dropping episode. facts on today's <laughs> podcast. You cannot disprove Is that. Is that even dude. true? Do hurricanes literally spin? If anyone's a science nerd and you're watching this <laughs> yeah, on. Actually. Well, I understand that that's what we think. We're but from the East Coast. You should know that. I just, I'm just wondering if, if it's literally spinning. I'm if not a, a weatherman, I guess. And you're in the yeah. periscope, let us know. I don't think there's you any scientists scientist. in, the, in the periscope. <laughs> Just need to have seen like a GIF of a bird's eye view of a yeah. Have hurricane. you not? Do you no, I understand it that it <laughs> that it looks like it's spinning. No, right, you guys. Can move on this episode like of Sports Science, we fire a hockey puck into uh, a hurricane. I'm gonna use the transition of your Star Wars night into the Nuggets because oh, the Nuggets uh, played the Knicks on Sunday. They beat them 111 to 105, and I believe that was the fourth. Game the Knicks the Knicks have played on the road during someone else's Star Wars night. Yeah, it was their fourth consecutive Star Wars night. <laughs> so, yeah. so weird. Which I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get that gig. Which <laughs> I point out like Star Wars night isn't that like May fourth? Isn't that usually yeah. May the fourth be with you? But there's a new movie to cut. So every team's got a Star Wars night every yeah. other night. It's kind of like scheduling homecoming against your easiest opponent. <laughs> Star Wars yeah. night, yeah. bring the Knicks in town. Why not? <laughs> Easy. So the Nuggets have been on an upward trend this or this right. homestand. They've won their three games, and they're, the season's not over for them yet. People before after that East Coast trip believed it was. How, what are a few things you've seen from their performance recently that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, well, I would even go back all the way to the loss in Boston. I know they lost two more games from there, but Jokic dropped 30 and 10 in that game, and you saw him get really aggressive on Daniel Tice and – um, I was worried because sometimes those games are maybe ammunition for Jokic's argument against him shooting more. He's like, look, I went out and I dominated one-on-one -on -one and we got rocked, right? Because he doesn't see a correlation between his aggressiveness and, the, and them winning. But there is one. And so he's, he's clearly hearing his coach, his teammates, the media. He's meeting them in the middle and he's not allergic to the post anymore. He's looking at the rim. He's scoring at will down there. And that's just opening things up for the rest of the offense. So... If you're looking for reasons why the Nuggets are trending up, why you should be hopeful, Jokic looks like himself again, and that's obviously the most important thing. I think he shot, what, 21 times the other night? Something yeah. upwards of that. Like, It's so great to see him in that phase because like, the truth is, as hopeful and as optimistic as you know we've been, there was always something in the back of my mind that was just like, what if Jokic just never comes out of right. this? And to now see him being aggressive, like, he has to realize that even a bad shot in the post for him is a high percentage shot. Like his touch is so good. Even when he gets pushed out and he's kind of like flopping away, right. he still just tosses it in. So uh, it's it's been a really, really welcome sight to see him just say like, okay, okay, all right. The fun and games is over. I'll play now. And it is harder to, to just play through him regardless of where he is on the floor if he's not looking to the rim. 
I mean, teams just understand how to defend that. They're kind of just waiting for for Jamal or Gary to run a DHO. They know exactly what's coming. But now that when the ball is in Jokic's hands, you have to account for him maybe scoring, trying to score. It's obviously had a, a, a waterfall effect on this offense in a positive way. Look, the other night, he's 10 for 22. Yep. And that, on paper, looks like a bad thing. You know, he's shot under 50% from the field. But... It was so great to see him miss two shots in a row and just go right back 100%. to it. 100%. It's important for them. And it is – I do think Jokic is largely right in, in terms of his philosophy that, look, it's not about me scoring a lot of points. It's about us playing the right way. But I think sometimes he takes that too far and he, he fails to understand the way it affects the rest of the offense if he's not being himself. And so that's that's why the Nuggets are trending up right now. That Knicks game didn't look so pretty down the stretch, but – I think this offense is getting closer and closer to where they need to be. Um, and obviously it all starts with him. Um, I want it to be known that the reason we were talking about horses at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> was because of Nikola Jokic and the fact that, what was it, he plays a horse game where he can buy horses on his phone? Yeah, I've, I've seen on his, yeah, <laughs> I think I've seen that him purchasing this became a, a horse with virtual currency. <laughs> And then I said, it's like if you took a horse girl from elementary school and brought her to the NBA and made her a superstar. So. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> you probably. So that's, that's where that conversation. That is some inside reporting, man. I love that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I'm supposed to share those details. I personally witnessed him purchase a horse with virtual currency. This it's, is not hearsay. This is not sources. No, allegedly. You allegedly. Sources. allegedly. Not that I'm staring at his phone, but if I were, maybe I just caught. No, it is funny. Some guys get, you can just tell they're searching their names on Twitter right after the game. Jokic has like a spinner or he's playing his horse game. <laughs> One he of has a, a fidget spinner? He does, I swear to God. In 2019. Yep, yep, he was using oh a lot of them. Oh, God. What a legend. I kind of miss mine. Those are fun. But I do you think love Jokic. There's been a really big development with Jokic this season, and I, I did go on that road trip on the Northeast, and I'm glad I did because I think it started then. He is beginning to hold himself. Are you himself, taking credit for this? Um, yes. Okay. He is holding himself accountable, and I think accountability is really huge with Jokic. He's unique in his temperament and, and his approach. And so there's a lot of coddling, frankly, that's done for a guy who is a best player on a team. Um, but he, right now, he's lifting after games. He's in great shape, honestly. I think he's in as good shape as he's been, um, as good as the playoffs last year. He is talking to the media with a little more grace. We know he doesn't love it, but he's answering tough questions. He's taking responsibility. He's putting it on himself to be better. And the most important thing is, his coach was calling for him to shoot more, and he just said fine, and he did it, and he met him in the middle. So is Jokic growing up, I think, is, is the big question around the Nuggets right now. Obviously, that's the best thing for their long-term development. And we talked about this last week, but I think it is so big to remember that Jokic is still a kid. Like, he's younger than most of us here at the table, and so... And he's been in this country for time. just a handful of years. So he's acclimating to so much, like, let alone all the responsibilities that that are bestowed upon someone that we consider to be the best player out of, of a franchise. I mean, he's was still learning the language not that long ago. I mean, learning this culture. So to have all of this just kind of thrust upon him, I do think maybe he needs a longer leash than he's been given. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't think that we can just write off the possibility that, that he grows up into a much more mature player. I think maybe we're seeing that now. And I also think it makes sense for fans to have uh, wanted that because they do see other players throughout the league who are younger, who can step up in that leadership role, but some everyone's different. It just takes time. I, I think it's become pretty clear that Denver's offense running through Jokic is how they're going to be the most successful, but 
can we give some credit to Will Barton, man? Oh, yeah. please. I'm so the glad. That ranked we... fifth by, in the entire league, ranked fifth by ESPN's analytical stats. Yeah. That's, I mean, the guy has just been money night in and night out for them. He's he, at double figures um, the last during this homestand. He's the nice. third leading scorer, second leading rebounder for a guy who's, you know, theoretically undersized on the wing. The most pleasant surprise has been his defense. He's been a positive, a, a plus plus defender that was an area in which he's been much maligned in the past and they were worried about starting some people were worried about them starting an undersized wing for 82 games it hasn't been a problem what I like the most from him offensively is his understanding of of when he should have his foot on the gas pedal and when he should let up like he can score in, in bursts and in bunches but he gets accused sometimes of being a ball hog and he isn't he's a good passer he's a playmaker he understands when it's time to get other people going so you'll see him of late He's hot to start a game. He's hot to start a third quarter. And then he kind of backs off and slides into that rebounding defensive mentality. He has been their most consistent player, their second best player. Um, look, frankly, if a lot of fans had their way, he would not be on the team. And so I'm going to victory lap that every chance I get. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, go ahead. there's certain times where you got to give him the ball. Like in that Sixers game, he scored the first 11 points. Yeah. And, and it's not that he was taking all the shots. You spread the ball around and it, no one's making it. You give it to the guy that's getting hot. And he killed it that first quarter. And he also will just take it to the rack and get fouled. Or sometimes like... I call it like a Kobe assist. Like he will just lay it up when there's two guys on him because Yoke is in rebounding position unmanned, right? And that's not necessarily a bad result. So a, a word I use for Barton is willing when I think sometimes this offense stalls out and everyone's waiting for someone else to make a play. I think there is like an interesting social um, study done on why this there's this aura around him that yeah. is so incorrect. Like. I saw someone on Twitter be like, oh, it's just a matter of time before he goes back to like who he really is. And it's like, well, l last year was the outlier on who Will Barton really is. And then there's... Uh, that's because he was hurt. Yeah. Was it, uh, I, I, the announcer was saying like, yeah, it's crazy that he tried to pass there. Like he's never seen a shot he didn't like. It's like, right. where are these narratives even coming from on, on Will Barton? Right. Who Will Barton is? Well, let's. this has been the best year of his career two years ago was prior to this. This is who he was. He was right. a guy who was willing to play make, a guy who was willing to rebound, a guy who will pass out of a shot, a guy who I think gets the ball to, to Jokic um, better than, than Jamal or Gary. And that's obviously the most important thing when he's your best player. So I don't know if it was because he was coming off the bench and he is a capable scorer. He does have some kind of one-on-one -on -one, like flair that people kind of, yeah, just like they J.R. Smithed him. Yes, exactly. Early, early career. Early, and it, yeah, I mean, on the road, the Philly media, because he scored the first eleven points, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is classic Will Barton," you know. And it's like, not really. really? Though. It's really <laughs> not. This guy's always been a more complete player than he gets credit for. So, very happy for him. Everyone should read Ken Kendra Andrews's piece. It's on the Athletic. I know that's not the DNVR, but uh, a really good story on on him and and how he's handled. He was aware of how the fans felt and that people wanted him out and. I think sometimes we underestimate the impact that can have on an athlete, so that's worth checking out. The Nuggets take on the Magic tomorrow, so we've got a doubleheader, Avs and Nuggets tomorrow night. We'll try and find TVs at the watch party to also have the Nuggets game on so we can be watching both. But then they play the Timberwolves. How do you think they're going to do? Yeah, I think there should be two wins coming up. Um, obviously, they've got a near-scheduled loss now on the road against the Lakers after that. Yeah. No one's winning in L.A. right now. So... These two are, are, are interesting. Uh, I guess you could say important. I have my eye on who's going to play against Orlando. 
I, Jamal Murray's been banged up. He hasn't been himself. He he uh, quote tweeted a Wilson Chandler tweet about uh, understanding the importance of taking care of your body, and he said, "I'm I'm starting to see that now." Um, and this is a guy who's always soldiered through little nicks and knacks, but I think maybe he's reflecting on sometimes there's more value to knowing when to rest, when to stay healthy and, and going out at a hundred percent rather than soldiering through this stuff, laboring through the season and never really kind of getting to where you need to be. So he could maybe use a rest and I think they can beat this magic team without him. Do you think, has it been cleared of Paul Millsap playing in either of these two games? I don't, you know, the guys are at practice right now, Adam and Harrison, I'm we'll have to check in. I don't know about Millsap. Um, they're not too worried about it. To be honest, I do think his quad was hurting, but I also thought that was a convenient ex- excuse to get him some rest. It's also been really nice seeing the way Jeremy Grant plays in that starting lineup. Yeah, he's been he's been better. Um, nothing flashy, but again, he's not trying to do too much out there with that unit. Um, I, I just, my, my worry with him long-term, in that role is he's not a great rebounder. He's such a, a big leaper. He's got those long arms, but he gets moved off his spot pretty easily. And, and you know, Millsap is kind of underrated in that regard. So there is some drop off. All right. I'm checking to see if Harrison or Adam have tweeted anything about Paul Millsap, but they haven't yet. So just check Twitter. Uh, you can follow Harrison at Harrison Wind. And Adam, I'm pretty sure at Adam Martins, I just said. Adam underscore Martins. And DNVR underscore Nuggets. We'll keep you updated. Exactly. Um, All right. Well, it's going to be a busy day tomorrow. And if... What? I'll just go back to Twitter real quick. (laughs) Okay. I I thought uh, the Lions had just fired their coach, but they announced he'll be back. I was going to say that's a storyline. But anyways... Uh, this is the Denver Sports Podcast. And the Broncos play the Detroit Lions this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Total Biv is Total Biv. Total Bev is giving the DMVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with the max discount applying up to $75 using the promo code DMVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. Be sure to download that today. As you may or may not know, Total Bev delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder, from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home and have it delivered. So Twitter, I feel like, has been just, it's Twitter, I guess, just freaking out like they always do. Um, Av's Twitter was in a frenzy last night, and I feel like Broncos Twitter was also on a frenzy Sunday night after that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs 23-3 on Drew Locke and him being the future after he played. He didn't have the best performance, but it was a snow game. The conditions, it's Arrowhead, the snow, all of it plays to it, and you were telling people, you wrote a column about it, throw the tape out. Yeah, uh, and – to go back to the, you know the Twitter reaction and whatnot, it's, I think it's actually similar to what Avs fans are yeah. feeling about the Blues. It's like we can't beat this team, and this is a measuring stick game. Now the difference there is that the Avs, if the measuring stick is here, the Avs are right here, whereas the Broncos are way down here right now. Um, I just, I think Von Miller is like a perfect microcosm of the way the fans felt um, when that game ended. I didn't have like any emotions about it. It's like, ah, yeah, that's probably what was most likely to happen. Unsurprising. Right. But I think 
um, the fans really got their hopes up. Um, and the truth is, is that there w- it would have been an incredible storyline, you know. So I think everyone wanted to will that story into happening. Oh, Drew Lock goes into Arrowhead, shows that you know the you know the changing of the guard. It's it's about to you know flip around. The Broncos are going to get their rightful place atop the AFC West starting today, you know, and, and moving on into next year. And so I think when the Broncos went out there and laid an egg. Uh, it was just really tough for the fans. They've now lost nine consecutive games to the Chiefs. There was a time, literally before those nine games, that the Broncos were beating the Chiefs that many times in a row. So um, I just think that was tough. As for Drew Locke, it was the worst scenario that could possibly happen to a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks are 1-9 and all-time in December in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, wow. That doesn't even count. A blizzard happening. The offensive line was garbage on the day. They got no running game established. They never had a chance to get a running game established because they were trailing early. Uh, the time of possession was skewed the other way. It was just anything that, like if you could set up the worst possible game for a rookie, the, the wide receivers weren't catching the ball. Like everything went wrong. And it's just one of those things where you just say, okay, we have five games here as a sample size for Drew Locke. Just throw that one away. It's it's going to end up being an outlier. There's so many outline, you know, so many things that had that went into that that were un, out of the ordinary. Just get rid of it. Now, the only thing that that matters about that game to me is how he bounces back. If he comes out here and lays an egg against the the Lions, then I'm going to be worried about you know did his psyche get messed up by going home and blah blah blah. He those things don't worry me about Drew Locke from what I know of him. But now he goes from the worst possible scenario to maybe the best possible scenario. He comes home. It's going to be 60 degrees on Sunday in Denver. Uh, they're going up against a Lions team that just gave up 450 yards and four touchdowns to Jameis Winston. So it should be like a very big, stark difference between last game and this game. He should bounce back really strongly. And then we officially can just throw that tape out and forget about everything that happened in Kansas City. I agree. Uh, Von Miller's comments after the game were very – you would think after what this season has been, the team also gained so much hope, thinking that they could go into Arrowhead and beat that team. Vaughn kept talking about, like, we're in the prime years. We're all in our prime years, and, like, this just sucks. And it, it it's does. I mean, not surprising the fan base then takes that and is like, yeah, it does suck. It does suck. And for Vaughn Miller, it sucks a lot because he comes off of winning a Super Bowl MVP. Like, everything is just trending up, 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 up for him. And now he's never he hasn't even sniffed like an important game since then. And and as we learned in that season, his important games was where Vaughn plays his best. You know, he goes out in the Super Bowl, has multiple sacks, strip sack for a touchdown. Like he played so well, and then all of a sudden it's just like been straight down from there. And so I think it's been really tough on him. And if you go back and listen to like early season versions of this podcast or the DNVR Broncos podcast, you'll hear that I said losing culture can take a toll and it can teach guys to care less about each game and a normal person over time will start to care less about each and every game but Vaughn isn't like that Vaughn wakes up on a Sunday morning and thinks like we're gonna do it today and he cares just about as much as he cared about this Kansas City game that's like how much he cared about the AFC championship you know he's just wired in that way to care so much about every game and this is what happens when you don't emotionally protect yourself you get crushed because you lost in a game that you very well should have lost philip Lindsay had seven carries on the day i feel like everyone feels like he's been so underutilized he's a pro bowl running back 
are, when, when are the Broncos going to fix that? When do you think, I know you can't really answer that, but what do you think is going on that they don't, they go to Royce Freeman, they go to these other guys instead of sticking with Phil? Well, Phil still led the team in carries in that game. And so what, what you see there is that the Broncos got down early. They were playing catch up against a team that they have no business playing catch up against. Um, they kind of lost sight of their game plan. But even in that, Phil is averaging 4.6 yards per carry in that game. Like, you got to get him the ball more. We, I feel like I've been saying this every single game Phil has played, like, his entire career, going back mm -hmm. to when he was above. Give him the ball more. Um, the truth is, to me, the most obvious thing here is that the Broncos running game without Andy Janovich sucks. Um, he was out at the beginning of the season. They couldn't run the ball. He was there in the middle of the season. They started running the ball pretty well. You take him out again, and they can't run the ball at all. So it's actually a shame for him that he already got his contract extension because I think he could be walking in there right now saying, like, that you know Pro Bowl running back of yours isn't much without me. Uh, and, and it's not that cut and dry, but I think it, it, is, it makes a huge difference to have him out there. Last year, Phil led uh, the league in yards before contact, meaning that they were blocking really well for him. This year, he's fallen back way uh, a lot in that. So he's not getting the blocking. They're not committing to the running game. Uh, they're trailing in most games, which allow, allows them to bail from it. But um, I don't think it's necessarily an indictment on the player that is Philip Lindsay. Is, is part of that just wanting to get reps for Drew Locke? Let's face it, the Broncos season at this point, they're not going to make the playoffs. Phil's a bit more of a known quantity to the organization they don't need to see him do what he already does compared to giving Locke lock those opportunities. Maybe if it was a normal game, I could buy into that. But the fact is there's snow all over the ground. They couldn't protect Drew. Like, it would have been a, a, a better game to feature Phil and protect Drew. They did the opposite. He ended up getting hit 10 times. He's on his back all day. So if that was the thought, it was a bad one. Oops. <laughs> Um, since we're on the football topic, we had someone comment on the Periscope, you need a Philip Rivers bobblehead. Take that to Marcus Ware one off the table. What? Why would we want a Philip Rivers bobblehead? Yeah, I'm not following And then that. they just commented, filthy, filthy, filthy. So they're just a troll. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then wrong. also. That must be one of those scientists I was talking to maybe. earlier. Yeah. I also want to say shout out to the person whose Periscope name is Mayonnaise Chicken. That wow. made me laugh. My man. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Also, Philip Rivers is extremely washed and needs to retire as soon as possible. Wow. Okay. Uh, I have a question about Drew Locke. How much of this, obviously it was such an outlier game, but also isn't there just, it's not uncommon for a, a quarterback to come in, play well a couple of games, and then defenses have a better understanding of who this guy is. You know what I mean? Is this sort of like a natural part of the, the path here? I think he I mean, he... We said it after the game the other day. Like he had a 98.7 QBR. He might never touch that again in right, his career. Like right. that was crazy. But I think you. This was a mix of those things. Like he was going to come back down to earth a little bit. People don't realize how good the Chiefs' defense is playing. They had just made life miserable for Tom Brady. They made life miserable for Derek Carr the week before right. that. And your boy Philip Rivers threw four interceptions to them the week before <laughs> that. So your boy. <laughs> so. I think it was a mix of all that. He was going to come back to earth a little bit. Um, the conditions were awful. He had never played in a snow game like that in his life. It's just like all those things added together. It's actually, I think, kind of nice that it happened because it's like now you have two games to bounce back. Sure. You're going in. You're going to play the Lions and the Raiders both at home. 
So you got your bad game out of the way. Now go put, leave a good taste in everyone's mouth with these last two. So your whole point is, like, it's not that this doesn't count, but until we see this be a part of a trend as opposed to something that just happened in a very understandable context, right? Exactly. It's not worth. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and it just it was so much. There was just so many negative factors going sure. against him in that game. Sure. Well, I mean, it comes, it comes down to – I thought he carried the offense. could be the coolest pictures. Like, they're the coolest – Pictures come from snow games. Just because Andre's not on camera doesn't it mean you guys feels cool. And then the score is three to nothing. In my mind, that's um, exactly how the hierarchy works. The, uh, I can shut all your mics up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I could pull the hierarchy card real quick, Brendan. Brendan. I'll, I'll put you in line in a quick second. Don't you worry. I take my own. Um, no, I thought he really carried that offense, though. They wouldn't have converted a single third down. Again, he was very efficient on third and short, third and medium. They had no chance on third and long because the the Chiefs' defense was just smothering them at the line, and they couldn't create any separation at the line of scrimmage. So really, offensive line played terrible, running game played terrible, wide receivers couldn't get open, and were dropping balls. To me, everyone's looking at this the wrong way. Really, Drew Locke carried this offense, and this could have been a much greater disaster than it was. So, you know, that's uh, there's your optimist for you. That's wide, good. Wide receivers dropping balls. I know. Andre is so Italian. He was. That was yeah. such <laughs> the hands. <laughs> I wish he was on camera. Bring uh, him over. Non-surprising, but John Elway told KOA that they are thrilled. Justin Simmons is a Bronco, and they plan on keeping him as a Denver Bronco. How big is that for this defense? Oh, uh, it's huge. I mean, we said it before the season. Like Vic Fangio's defense is so set up to highlight what Justin Simmons does well. It's a match made in heaven. Came in. It happened. We're just going to pretend like last week didn't happen for Justin Simmons because he played really bad. Uh, but every other game in the season, he's played really, really well, and he's been a standout. And the combination of Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson mm. very arguably is the best uh, safety duo in the league. So uh, those guys working together for the next three or three years or so is going to be really awesome. Still got a brilliant interception in that game, too. He did, but... Other that than that, was it wasn't crazy very pretty. Interception. Yeah, it wasn't very I like to keep my football takes simple. Drew Locke in a town with a golden son, 2-0. Drew Locke in a town where he's a true son, 0-1. Mm. True. Golden son, greater sign. Wow. Uh, I'm really sad that that's going to be a bit from that's forever. <laughs> I, I had already forgotten about it. I appreciate you bringing that back. I got Rudo. you. Rudo. Stats. It's Rudo's birthday. He can do whatever, uh, whatever yeah, he wants. I guess that's true. Um, speaking of Drew, we're going to transition to our Drew because Why? there's Who? some baseball talk. The Rockies were at winter meetings. <laughs> Tell me some things. The Rockies attended a thing. <laughs> uh, not not according to Twitter, they weren't. Um, um, it's just twi Twitter's, Twitter's been week. on one this it's, week. It's been a rough week in Colorado sports social media land yeah no the rockies really didn't do much at winter meetings technically they did add a guy to the 40-man roster a right-handed reliever who's got some interesting promise but also some red flags so it's not getting anyone super excited not a name anybody listening to this <laughs> would know um not a name that most baseball fans would know uh but it's Tyler Kinley, if anyone cares. <laughs> that's but that's literally the only thing they did. So Kinley naturally, Jansen? literally, yeah, right. If only. Uh, and uh, of course, there, there's been a lot of movement in Major League Baseball, and so Rockies fans are are definitely feeling like the boy at the. 
prom that nobody's dancing with right now. It's just like and and you should I, hit up the horse girl. <laughs> <laughs> Say what's up. Say what's up. Uh, and and then I totally get it. I do think that this was one obviously coming, so it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. As frustrating as it may or may not be, uh, we knew they weren't making any big moves. They told us they weren't going to make any mm-hmm. big moves. Uh, this is exactly the kind of, you know, waiting to see what comes out at the end of the offseason. I do still think they're going to do some things, but it, it's just been really bizarre to watch, like, Madison Bumgarner go to the Diamondbacks now, which is really freaking people out, which for me was like, what a parallel move for both of those entities. Uh, and now the Giants are just that much more terrible. Uh, the Dodgers also have done nothing and have missed out on a lot of things, which is, of course, a completely different story because they're the class of the division. Uh, but it's been really interesting to see uh, the way in which it has been codified that the Rockies are what they most recently were and are not what they were for the two years before that with largely the same group of people. And it's really interesting that it does seem to be the consensus now that 2017 and 2018 were just fluke, just good luck. Rockies just got lucky, and this is who they really are now. And so the fact that they aren't buying in free agency means that they are doomed to have the exact same kind of season. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a big article just yesterday about all these guys in the bullpen who are going to be key players. And, for example, their second most important reliever is a guy named Jairo Diaz who's not somebody that most people know, but also has the potential to be extraordinarily good. And so it's difficult for me to read these analysis from people that don't know who that is, (laughs) talking about how the Rockies have no shot because of how terrible their pitching was when other guys had Jairo Diaz's job. Sure. It's his job now. Right. And so there's a lot of weird, and Brandon and I were talking about this with regards to the Nuggets before we come on here, where you, you feel like your team has to get better. So the only way to do that is to go get something that's not on your team right now and make it better. And when I write about 25-year-olds coming into their prime and figuring it out and having grown at altitude, uh, the main response I get is, you can't just hope for things to get better. Right. And it's this really weird place that the Rockies are stuck in where I get why there's so much anger at their main mission statement right now, which is we have a lot of players who played poorly in 2019 who have to play well in 2020. I get why, generally speaking, that makes it you feel like GM is blaming the players. But go down the list of players. I mean, we don't have time to do that on this podcast. That's what I do on DNVR Rockies. But you can just, I mean, you can go down the list of players. They're not making it up. Kyle Freeland has to pitch better. Right. Mm-hmm. Wade Davis has to pitch better. And he's not the closer anymore. But those guys have to perform better. It's not unreasonable to think that a slew of 25-year-olds named Raimel Tapia, Garrett Hampson, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, again, players who aren't mentioned in any national writing about this team, they don't know who Ryan McMahon is. They maybe know his name. It's a major factor on this team. You can't just ignore it. So they're obviously not buying. Are they no. selling? No. So they're, this is so your, your read is that they're comfortable running this back and hoping that, that internal development kind of kind of not even internal development, guys that were expected to produce last year that didn't just get getting back on the horse well, and in most of those cases those guys have a history of producing it's right. not like they just pulled some guy off the street and we're like 
Well, that guy's, you know, Drew Creaseman has to be a better bet. We're hoping he's going to hit 300 this year. Right. And, and that was the thing I wrote in the article yesterday. Is like they're not saying, oh, we're still counting on Brian Shaw and Jake McGee. Like those guys have clearly lost their roles on this team. Sure. Ian Desmond as well. And counting on Kyle Freeland is not insane. Counting on Wade Davis. You've got to do it, honestly. You right. have no choice but to count on Kyle Freeland. Exactly. That's That just comes with the territory. And so, yeah, I, I think Brennan is a combination of the two things that you said. They think that the, both of those things are going to happen and that they get, they've got a minute here to run it back, to play some baseball, to see who these guys really are. You don't have to give up on Kyle Freeland right now. You don't have to give up on Wade Davis right now. Again, talk about a guy. This is a guy with a career 360 ERA or something like that. He's pitched almost 1,000 innings in Major League Baseball. He's been one of the best relievers in the game for almost a decade. And last year he has by far the worst season of his career. And everyone's given up on him apparently. And it's just really, really interesting to me that people don't see how many potential players on the 25-man roster should all be they're all in the upswings of their career charlie blackman is literally the only key player on this team who's past his prime so you you've outlined the rationale and and i'm I'm hearing it i'm seeing it how realistic is it though i mean they were so far off last year i honestly don't think it's that because i do think that there were two key players that torpedoed their season and i keep mentioning both of their names for a reason it's kyle freeland and wade davis wade davis single-handedly cost this team 12 games and i mean took them from the win column and put them into the loss column (laughs) by himself right uh and and kyle freeland was their opening day starter the guy who they were going to be handing the ball to the most often who they were counting to be the anchor of their starting rotation the most important fundamental element of a baseball team and he pitched to an 850 ERA. He got absolutely destroyed. I think those two guys, more than any other factor, is what torpedoed their season. So I do think that you can mitigate the Way Davis thing. He doesn't have to be great. He just has to be okay because you've replaced him with Scott Oberg and Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez. So if he can be a sixth or seventh inning guy, you've fixed that problem. So that's where I think it's realistic, where it becomes – Less so is even after Freeland, there are some real questions in that rotation. But I, I do think that you get Freeland back to being a guy, not the 280 ERA, fourth and Cy Young voting that he was in 2018. You get him back to being a 450 ERA, which is like his career numbers. The, then the Rockies are right back into being in that group of teams that are all kind of contending for the wild card. But, yeah, they're a mid-'80s win team looking for a couple of breaks to go their way so that they can win 90. I would say that that last year's outlier is so fu- like is as likely as happening again as the Rockies like winning the division. Like, that was so far off of what is normal. And that's kind of a frustrating thing about baseball as a whole. It happens on an individual level, but it also can happen for a team. Like, baseball – a guy like Chris Russin can just come out of nowhere, have right. an incredible season, and then it's there for a year, and then it's gone. Right. And then the, the opposite can happen. A guy like Wade Davis, who is very solid throughout his career, can just pop up and have a terrible season, then come back the next year and be great again. Right. But Montevino did it. Right. The yeah. Rockies got caught in this weird cycle where like most of their guys were having that downswing, and like you said, two, two massive pieces. But like that was such an outlier that it's, it's – 
it's, it was just as likely as all of those guys having the best seasons of their careers and the Rockies winning the division. Exactly right. Like, And the other thing that people, I think, really tend to forget is during this stretch when they were terrible, it's about a 68-game sample size. you got 400 games before that where the Rockies were the fourth-best team in the National League. Yeah, that many games. But now you've got this 68-game sample size where you're going, well, they were one of the worst teams in the National League, but also Nolan Arenado was hurt. And he was terrible. He played through it, kind of getting back to what Brennan was talking about, these guys. And that was one of the things he learned this year about taking care of his body. He probably should have sat out a week, which would have hurt him inside more than anything has ever pained him. Because at that time, but he played. And again, this is crazy to think about. He continued to play because they were in it. The Rockies, through the trade deadline, still thought they had a chance to compete this last year. And their best player played through multiple injuries to the tune of a the worst numbers of his career by far back to your how sustainable is that Nolan's not going to have another month and a half stretch where he puts up a 75 WRC plus meanwhile all of the starting pitchers on the team go down one by one like a stack of dominoes like this I just it is crazy to me that people think that is somehow more sustainable than this team they were from the beginning of 2017 through like May <laughs> Yeah. I have a, another question. Diamondback signed Mad Bum. What? How? So one to ten? How noteworthy is that in the division? Is is are we over the the hill for him? Is he an impact free agent signing at this point? He's. I mean, they're definitely better with him than they would have been without him. He's a good pitcher. He's maybe even still a great pitcher. He's not Mad Bum anymore. Sure. He'd have to have a a hell of a rebound season to be back to the kind of guy he was before. But he's not better than Zach Granke, the guy they just traded away. Now, they do have Mad Bum and the prospects they got for him who aren't ready yet. But as far as insight, because he moved from one team in the division where he beats you once every five days to another team in the division, the other thing is if you're looking at it in a head-to-head matchup, it's not terrible news for the Rockies. They actually handle Madison Bumgarner quite well, especially at Coors Field. So this isn't moving Arizona's needle too much, you don't think, as far as their ability to compete for that wild card or division? Not for me. Uh, almost, I'm just not high on Arizona. Well, and they kind of had the opposite last year, right? Like they had a bunch of guys have career years to the point where they played way better than most people expected. Pretty much their entire team had a career season last year, and they traded away. Zach Granke for prospects who aren't quite ready. Now, again, Mad Bum makes them better, but over the course of 162, I I don't think he's going to solve it. And it'll be really interesting to see how he adapts from going to one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in baseball to one of the more hitter-friendly parks in baseball. Does does that kind of situation play into this? Fans see teams like the Dodgers. They see teams like the Red Sox that they always go chase the next big thing. They can afford to chase the next big thing, and if it doesn't work out, fine they can pay it off go get the next guy for teams like the rockies for teams like the diamondbacks if bumgarner doesn't work out are they stuck with that and then what do you do exactly it's a bit it's not exactly an even playing field in that regard (laughs) Uh, baseball is the least even playing field of all of the sports and that's why i wrote in the thing yesterday i said it's funny to me because I, i keep seeing people use that old phrase which i think comes from alcoholics anonymous about doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results is mm. the definition insanity. of insanity which it yeah. isn't it, right that's not an actual <laughs> definition of insanity just, just a saying. not in the not in i don't the, know uh, you guys aren't scientists <laughs> Uh, but it, it's funny to me because then they use that to say and, and here the rockies are not doing anything they should go out and 
by people in free agency to get better, particularly relievers. And I'm like, no, no, no. Going out and spending big money on relievers to fix your bullpen is that's the definition of insanity that we've offered here, doing the same thing over and over again right. and expecting different results. Like the free agency market has never been kind to the Colorado Rockies, and I know it's frustrating for fans, but I'll say this they should never, not ever, and until the economics of baseball change, be major players in free agency. Throughout the entire history of the Colorado Rockies, their best players have either been grown by them or traded by them. Who are the great free agents? Jorge De La Rosa, who came for nothing because he was out of baseball if he hadn't shown up here. Kadir. Michael. Hello, Cuddy. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you get a hitter in the twilight of their career show up, put up some numbers, but like that is it. And so it, it's amazing to me that people think the Rockies have to solve their problems through free agency. And it's like, that's literally never worked. Not once. Um, this weekend I had, I had someone look me in the eyes and tell me, Oh my God, Ian Desmond is my favorite player in all of baseball. Good for them. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's, you were, nice. uh, you were in Washington, DC. I was going to say, they love him. But these oh, in all of baseball ever. Well, first Ian of all, Desmond. Ian Desmond is a wonderful human he, that's being. That's what I responded. I said he's a very genuinely nice guy. And in Washington, like, D.C., oh, he was also a very good baseball player. He was a mm-hmm. multiple-time all-star He and, and at the beginning of a franchise. So he was like the first kind of face of the franchise they were able to latch onto. This is our guy, like for a while there, because he, he could lead the team in all the categories. He was their leader in home runs and hits and all this stuff because, well, he was the first guy to, <laughs> to be there. But he was pretty good so when you're good and you're a great guy people love you when you you're overpaid and you're a great guy most people don't care (laughs) i also had someone uh, say oh who's that baby shark guy that came from the rockies oh boy Gerardo Barra's legacy is right there, the baby shark guy. In a very (laughs) weird roundabout way, the fact that Ian Desmond is someone's favorite player makes me feel better about the Rudo shirts. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was going to make you feel better about the fact that Baby Shark is your favorite song. (laughs) I feel fine about that. (laughs) I I got no problem with it. No qualms. All right. Well, before we move on, I'm going to have Drew read this question question thing comment that we had on our podcast uh from last week it's uh all about drew 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 chia drew chia and yeah you just go i have to read this it's a long comment it's a long comment i was gonna say the first one just says all drews are good truer words have never been spoken i think that's the one thanks for yeah we're good i have to read this other one Boy, oh boy, if I could time travel back to this morning when I was enjoying sweet Drew wordplay and no program-altering announcements had been made. I don't know if any of you watched Hey Arnold as a kid. Of course. Excellent transition, by the way. (laughs) But it was my favorite show and remarkably still holds up today. There is an episode in the first season where (laughs) Arnold hits Harold. I'm kind of disappointed he didn't come with the title of the episode, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Arnold hits Harold with a baseball, and Harold challenges him to a fight, leaving Arnold 24 hours to dwell on what is about to happen. The next day arrives, and after thinking all night, Arnold realizes that he can't beat Harold in a fist fight and chooses to go crazy and beat himself up. Harold is too confused to actually fight and leaves before ever throwing a punch. Arnold realizes that... Acting unpredictably and outside of character caught his opponent off guard, and he actually emerged the victor. 
There is an episode of 30 Rock. The transitions are immaculate in this. All right. Hold on to the Hey Arnold as we move into Tina Feyland, where Jack Donahue relays a story to Liz Lemon about a time when he was trapped in an ice crevasse with a broken leg and, contrary to every instinct, had to climb down further into the crevasse to reach solid ground and ultimately free himself from the ice. He did something so unthinkable and against every common reaction, and learned that sometimes that unthinkable action is actually the wisest choice. <clears throat> <laughs> now, dear reader, I am sure you are wondering what relevance these two anecdotes have on anything to which I have to say you can't <laughs> lose your rivals if you orchestrate such a magnificent self-own. We truly are the guy tapping his head meme. Can't get clowned if you clown yourself first, bro. If nothing else... We finally tapped into that sweet, sweet Northeast recruiting market. What the hell? No, I'm with it. He's exactly right. All right. Abs have a 48-point season. Haven't missed the playoffs since. Mm. So what What was the Northeast recruiting? Yeah, what's the Northeast? I mean, must be a Rams reference to a, the Adazio hire. Drews, are there more? Do I don't. Think? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Unthinkable. So right. he's a dude. They he's went, a fellow dude. He's saying the Rams went down the crevasse to find solid ground. I mean, I spaced out on lots of those references. <laughs> um, <laughs> but sure. He's saying the Rams punched themselves in the face so Just that the Buffs couldn't do it. There you go. Okay. Also, I'm with it. I'm with it. No Hey Arnold stickers on official Instagram. official right, so. announcement. Drew's world famous audio stories will now become video stories. Yeah, <laughs> the After hand that movements read. and everything that was. Uh, Drew Chia, thanks for the very for whatever that was. Uh, comment. NPR. And I'm glad that I made Drew read all of that because he, you did it better than any of us could have. If you'd like me to read your inane connections between <laughs> random television shows, please send them in to dnvr underscore. No, what is it? <laughs> you just help at dnvr.com? Yeah, yeah. yeah. send them all to yeah, send them all to Andre. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Andre and Drew have a battle with those hand motions a little oh. bit. Drew, uh, they call that shadow box cameo. <laughs> And then what? people can send you things that they want you to say. Oh. oh, yeah. People would send you like five bucks to like. Yeah, go get on Fiverr and just yeah. say whatever people want you to say. Really? I yeah. can do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Don't tell Drew Chia, though. You'll be after busy. this podcast. 2019 right. rules. <laughs> Anyways. As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. All you got to do is take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. We got to talk about who won the week. More Drew talk. Because Drew Locke, because dot, 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 well, you know, dot, 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 got 70% of the votes. Damn. And won the week. 1% off of 69. Okay. Not nice. Anyways, nice. moving on. Um, Do I get... Um, uh, you're very close to being... It's <laughs> <laughs> actually kind of my goal. <laughs> um, do I get a, uh, a grandstand? No, later. Let me finish. 
Second place was Ryan Graves because he has solidified himself as a consistent NHL defender. That got 28% of the votes. And 2% of the votes was optimism, joy, and fun. Because Great Adam Martes couldn't think of anything to say for the Nuggets. I'm ready to go this week, though. Yeah. I'm ready to roll. And then D was Drew Creaseman also voting for Drew. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what? What was so a smart play. Smart yeah. play. If you, hey, I, I won you the punched week. yourself in the face. Uh, right. So right. There you go. <laughs> so no one else could do it for um, you. We got some into the comments crevasse. on there. and. We had someone say, I wanted to vote for Graves so bad, but there is no denying Drew Locke this week. Someone said, I voted Locke, but uh, Kareem Jackson should have been an option. I only get to choose one. Andrew Stephen frickin' Locke. Uh, someone said, I voted against joy and optimism and put a Grinch <laughs> gif saying, hate, 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 double hate, loathe internally. Um, entirely. Entirely. Can't read. Someone said, don't see an option for CSU hiring the best dude. Someone said, well, at least it's close. Be all day, Ryan Graves. Thanks for leaving your comments and for voting on the polls. Let's go with this week. I voted for so hope and optimism and joy. I was literally After one of the, the 2% of people who <laughs> voted for that. That is the for sad what? time. Hope and joy and oh. optimism. Well, and with love. the way Twitter was this week, and and no one wanted to vote no. for hope. And that was joy. a very unpopular week for those concepts. <laughs> Colorado officially hates gravy. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? No, no, I said what I needed to say. It was there. <laughs> Keen listeners will get the message. Okay, Ryan, you get your 30 uh, seconds to talk about whatever you want. Let me pull up the timer because I'm okay, not I don't letting know, you go over. I don't know why this has been on my mind this week. Hold but on. Since, since we've been talking about go. Twitter already, um, there's this weird thing going on on NFL Twitter where like, it's really awesome that we have people like Andre who want to evaluate film and go really like deep into the analysis. Uh, but I feel like it's created this weird hierarchy where like people who – are like understanding the game at a higher level are looking down on these other people and like oh you don't get it and i think we need to stop that um i don't think fans should be expected to understand the intricacies of the game in that way if they want to they can read andre's film rooms and learn from people like matt mcchesney uh the breakdowns that he does that he does but i i hate this like high horse thing where people are like you can't comment on this because you don't understand i think Preaching. we need to get rid of that love it time you i gave you six seconds because the ending was because you liked what i had to say yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, Ryan, we'll let you go. Why do the Broncos win the week? Whoa, I have to go first? Yep. Um, the Broncos win the week because now they get to look at a new version of Drew Locke. They get to understand how he responds back from adversity. And when you gave him just this small five-game sample size, you risked a, a lot of things not popping up. This is a huge one for them to see how Drew Locke can go and respond to what wasn't a great game for him and the team and uh, kind of bring out uh, a different side of him that you weren't guaranteed Time. to see in a five-game sample. The drew volution, if you will. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag oh, new Locke. drew I won't. Why? I, you just yeah, go dre Drevolution? Mm. With two Vs, mm. so then it looks it. like uh, zero percent. With two Let's Vs, not do definitely. Yeah, neither one's working. Let's with two Let's do none of working. it. I think none of it. No, mm. we're no. done. <laughs> Brendan. Oh, my turn. Go. 
The Denver Nuggets won the week because Nikola Jokic is back. What could be mm. bigger news to that team? He's playing like himself. He looks like he's having fun. They're playing through him on offense, but it goes back to I already let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but it's the bigger picture. It's that he's growing up, accepting responsibility, holding himself accountable. I think he's finally ready to be the best player on a team. He knows he is, whether that matters to him or not. All right. Now, yeah. enough about his up. horse Premium app. What about as what a about basketball Jokic? player? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know he's having fun there and everything. And he's on level standing 50. up as a leader, yeah. but on the court, what's going? I got to get his he, game. I, I also think um, he's embracing who he is a little bit more. Like the fact that he wore that gaming shirt. Yes, I thought that was pretty awesome. He I, doesn't feel like he has to be someone that he isn't, but he also realizes that he has to be a dominant basketball player, and then he can also be whoever he wants off the court. You know how Joel Embiid says Jokic is his childhood hero, and he really likes him. I I think that's why, because all these stars are under the spotlight, and Jokic just gets to show yeah. up in that shirt, and he gets to do his own thing, you know? I agree. I do think that's why all these players, one of the reasons why all these players are like, Jokic is just doing him, and that's exactly what Joel Embiid said to Jokic. Um, exactly. You could read his lips on that uh, post-game interview. He was just like, you do you. You keep doing you. Big honey. He won the week. Vote. All right. We should go first. We'll do Rudo. Happy birthday, Rudo. I'll Thank give you, you an extra 10 seconds. Would you need him? Probably not. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give it to you Big just Rudo because energy. it's your when birthday. When I go 40 seconds, I'll be thankful after the fact. So. All right, go. So I know I said it's not time for the goalie controversy to start yet, but Pavel Fransos still won the week because he had two dominant wins. Sure, they might not be the best teams in the world. He still won them. His overall save percentage is top five in the NHL right now. Wow. He's 7-0-1 with a no decision in his last nine starts. He has been more than the Avs could have ever asked for him to be as their backup goaltender. You didn't even need the extra seconds. You finished with twenty at uh, twenty six seconds. Only like nineteen more minutes to make up for how late I was. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew. Do you've got one for the Rockies? Are you no. choosing something else? The, the who? Yeah. Right. No. I've, yeah, I'm going to lose. Go. I'm ready. Uh, the Avs did win the week, and no one's going to vote for this. But they won the week because they lost to the St. Louis Blues. Mm. Because Bolt these. Tank are the moments that you come back on later and you say, we learned from that loss. Mm. We were embarrassed by that situation. We're really going to throw it back in these guys' faces. This is the chapter in your championship season where you say, we made sure we were never going to feel that way again. You come back. So it hurts right now, but that pain only makes the inevitable joy that comes at the end of the season that much more beautiful. Time. As we all learned watching Hey Arnold growing up. (laughs) Punch yourself in the face just once or twice. Because later on, you'll not be getting punched in the face, and that'll feel really good. If they punch themselves in the face, maybe they'll stop taking pucks to the face. That'd be nice. Vote for him. Forget Francois. That's the better (laughs) abs answer. The fact that your head coach, Jared Bednar, is saying... Let's knock on wood that no one gets hurt. He said that yeah. last week. He was like, let's knock on wood that we don't lose another player. Like, that's just how bad these injuries have been all It doesn't help long. when Blues players are taking cheap shots. Just yeah, saying. that got a little dirty. It did. Uh, shout out Jared Bednar, though. He was, for one quick second, he was 500 as an NHL coach again, and then the Blues beat them. So... He'll get he'll back. get there. Yeah. yeah, he'll be plenty over by the end of this season. You're I eight so. one and one, and the one lights a fire under your ass. I think you're <laughs> in a decent spot. 
All right. Well, that's all we've got for you guys this week. Be sure to go leave your comments on the or, or questions on the DNVR.com under the the Denver Sports Podcast post and go vote on the poll. And you can leave questions on there, too. And subscribe to this feed that you are listening to which you actually may be listening to on the other sports teams. Go subscribe to the Denver <laughs> Sports Podcast feed. And I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Boy. Shout out to the watch party. Oh, and shout out to the watch party. Don't forget to come to the watch party. Yeah. Sports column, 6 p.m. Members who RSVP his birthday, can win watching the Avs. Merch. And we're giving away beer to people who RSVP as well. Chris. And tickets to the game. So tickets to a game. All right. We're signing off. Bye, guys. <laughs>